Aloha. Welcome back to season two of the Aravinda Show, focused on conscious entrepreneurs with me, Andrew Crusoe, your host. Today, I'm excited to share a pretty unconventional interview with you. In it, we discuss a perspective on life that's totally different than the paradigm we usually think in. To be clear, I don't necessarily agree with all of the conclusions we reach in this interview, but I still find this perspective to be quite useful and very powerful. So take from this interview only that which you feel resonates with you. And enjoy. It's a real, it's a trip. Today I have the wonderful and wonderfully talented Roxanne Darling of InTheTransition.com. And you may know her from her podcast, Beach Walks with Rocks, that had over two and a half million downloads, over 775 episodes. But now she's transitioned, oh, that's, I didn't even try to do that, to working on InTheTransition.com. She's a lifelong student of consciousness, and I think you're going to really enjoy what she has to say today. Uh, I had the pleasure of meeting her several years ago, two, three years ago, in her lovely, lovely, lovely Maui home, and it's just, it's, it's an incredible place. Thank you so much, Rox, for joining me today and sharing some time with me. Well, thank you for inviting me. I'm delighted. I'm really having a lot of fun with this series, and I haven't really done an interview series like this in a long time, and I had to have you. <laughs> <laughs> I had to I had to ask you one and I'm really glad you accepted. I, I guess I guess a good place to start is how did you come to Hawaii? You didn't grow up on Hawaii, right? That's correct. I first came to Hawaii in 1971. Uh, my dad had a sales meeting over here and I was in college at UC Berkeley and he and my mom said, why don't you come over and spend the week with us? And so I did, and it was a life-changing experience for me. The core of it was I had my first massage ever, and I had it with a traditional Hawaiian healer who started the experience by chanting and singing over me. Wow. And I started crying, and I cried pretty much for the whole hour. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. I was so moved. And, you know, he he was laughing and saying, why are you crying? You know, and, you know, and then of <laughs> course, you have so much stress for such a young woman. Yeah, I did. <laughs> but, uh, you know, he told me all of these stories of growing up with his grandmother teaching him how to catch fish by hand, his hands, you know, mm-hmm. standing in the in the shallow waters and how he learned about the herbs and the plants. And it was just it was a magical experience for me. And I made 18 vacation trips here. and 18? 18. So, you know, it, it became a regular part of my life, go to Hawaii every year or two. And then I came here with my partner, Shane, mm-hmm. uh, in the year 2000, maybe mm-hmm. 2001. And he got off the plane and said, I'm moving here. He just felt it in his bones. And he's much, uh, he's a very direct person. Mm-hmm. And so we said, okay, well, let's figure it out. And being that we have technology, internet company, we can work from anywhere. And a year and a half later, we moved. Wow. And and of those 18 trips, were most of them to Maui or did they vary at all? Oh, I I was an equal equal opportunity island hopper. (laughs) (laughs) That's good. So a lot to Maui, but I visited um, all the islands Mm -hmm. and... Yeah. 
Well, what's interesting about, about I mean, Hawaii in, in a way is a miracle that it's even there. I mean, it's in the middle of the Pacific plate, you know, it's in the middle of this tectonic plate. And for some reason, there's a, there's a hot spot there that comes really close to the surface. And that's why we have these islands. Yeah. They're all volcanic. Yeah. It's amazing. So. so you were coming to Maui. I'm curious, do you recall the first time when, one of the things I love to ask people is what it felt like for them really the first moment or the first hour where they landed and they smelled the air, because this comes up a lot, is it just the air is different there. You know, it's it's some of the cleanest air on the planet. And just you feel, you feel the charge, you know, you feel the land, and I think in a different way. You know, I don't actually recall that part. Um, is it mostly the massage? Because, well, you had a, such a powerful massage experience after. That uh, kind of like rewrote the disc and said, <laughs> this, is, this is the thing here. <clears throat> um <laughs> You know, I'm not, I, I don't remember that part of it, but I, I know exactly what you're talking about. And I definitely experience it all the time mm -hmm. coming back here. And Shane certainly got it, you know, as, as you're talking about it, he definitely got it. So I think, uh, who knows? I don't, I don't remember that part of it, but I, it was on the big island. Oh, really? Uh, that was my first, yes. We were at the uh, Mauna Kea Beach Hotel. Oh. And I think it's still called that. I'm not sure. But, um, you know, amazing resort, incredible mm -hmm. um, Hawaiian art collection on the property. And, you know, I was the daughter of one of the big shots. And so everybody just took such great care of me. Oh, I didn't know that. Amazing. So your, your dad worked for that hotel at the time? No, he, he worked for an auto company. But, you know, they were having their sales meeting. So all the the top salespeople were sent there and he was the sales manager. So it was kind of his party that he was throwing. Oh, I see. Um, That's fun. Yeah. There's one thing I'm really curious about, which is, do you remember what kind of massage it was? Was it Lomi Lomi? Was it, was it another kind of Hawaiian massage? Yes, it was Lomi Lomi. Ah, uh, okay. I'm somewhat familiar with that. Mm -hmm. So you come to Hawaii and you were already an entrepreneur at the time. It sounds like you had already been growing your business. Um, where were you? Where did you start your business then? Well, the business Barefeet Studios, actually, my partner Shane started. Uh, he started that in 1996 in Santa Fe, New Mexico. Uh -huh. And I was a consultant to the company and ended up, uh, the other partners left and I came on board and we moved the company to Hawaii, and wow. life is good. Okay, you're skipping over a couple things, Rox. <laughs> 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 and it's okay. We we have to try it was to. So long ago. Oh, uh, I know, I know. But origin stories are great because you can understand. One of the things I loved in the first interview was understanding how. I mean, there's sort of been a pattern that's forming as I noticed that uh, there are a lot of the uh, entrepreneurs that I'm interviewing are couple teams. Uh, mm -hmm. On Hawaii, I feel like it's more common and for whatever reason. And I think there's a lot to be learned. So did he hire you or did you know him before you consulted for the company? I uh, was working at the time. I had six months of my life when I had a regular salaried position. And I was marketing advisor at the Small Business Development Center in Santa Fe, New Mexico. 
and his firm was one of my clients. And so that that's the main way that we um, got connected. Wow. And you guys have been together for, uh, for a while now. 18 years. Oh, wow. Congratulations. Thank you. Yeah. So you've had Bare Feet Studios. You become a partner with Shane in the business. I'm guessing that happened after you guys were dating for a while. Well, you know, it was all business first and then interacting through the business. Mm -hmm. um, we discovered our attraction for each other. So then it was kind of a parallel development. Were you ever concerned, you know, some people have concerns about working with the person or not really were, I think it's less of an issue when you're, when you're in business together, but when someone's your employee or you're their consultant or something, were you concerned that, oh, I shouldn't really date someone who I have a, you know, who I'm in maybe in an employee situation with, was there ever that concern? Or was it just like, you know what, this feels in the flow and I'm going to go with this. Well, let me, you know, I'll just tell you the true story. Um, <laughs> that sounds great. Shane was actually married at the time. Oh, wow. And so the fact that he was married was a natural throttle, right. shall we say? Right, right. But it was not enough of a throttle to stop the the obvious um like chemistry deep, deeper connection that mm -hmm. we had so you know well, i don't have to I, release I, this it's, <laughs> i could cut this part out if you want i <laughs> know <laughs> uh, i don't mind i just don't want to spend the time talking about that but, but sure. you know that the, these are things that happen and you know people can have their opinions and really the only three people involved we're all totally okay with it there you go. Um, that That's what matters the most. Yes. I do think it informs, though, like the, the history does inform mm -hmm. the present. It does. And I think a lot of people are ashamed of aspects of their history. Definitely. And part of my transition in consciousness is to really practice radical self-acceptance. Amen. And let's do it. You know, that's a part <laughs> of the history, you know? Yeah. Um, the interesting sidebar to that mm -hmm. is that I was at the time working with the guys who I think I've told you about, but they're the channeled entities. You've told me a little bit. Who've been my coach for um, almost 25 years now. And Shane started working with them. And then his wife started working with them. And so it really was a very consciousness-centered process uh, that we all went through in terms of um, working together and Shane then exiting his marriage, going through a divorce with his wife, mm -hmm. and everyone understanding what the human dynamics were mm -hmm. and how to be respectful to oneself and to the other people involved. So it's possible. You're giving me a perfect transition segue to the next part, which is all about in the transition, your website and what I would call, you know, this, this exploration of consciousness. It's something that you're doing because you feel moved to, to do it. Um, I suppose there's a business component. You have a workshop or had a workshop. 
Um, you know, in the transition is was my blog that I started in 2004, and it was just my personal blog. Mm-hmm. And over the years, it's where I've put things that don't fit on any of the other websites that I manage. <laughs> so it's right. it is definitely uh, potpourri of of things. But I have done a fair amount of coaching and workshops and retreats and that sort of thing relating to uh, my love of consciousness. But it hasn't been, I don't promote it much and it hasn't mm-hmm. been a big deal. So yeah, business, nah. <laughs> has, it, has it generated some revenue? Yes. Sure. Um, but it's it hasn't been a quote, a business per se. But I think the consciousness aspects and working with the guys and this these ideas of the transition, they totally get the credit for Shane and I being able to stay in business and Mm. being able to improve our business practices, as well as staying a couple, which in our case has had periods of extraordinary difficulty and challenge. I mean, 18 years, people grow and change, you know, in, obviously, yes. and and that brings with it challenges that I feel people who have a relationship for two years or three years, they I don't think that I can truly understand what it must be like to share that much with someone over 18 years. That's I mean, that's awesome, but I'm sure that unique challenges come up. Yes, and unique is probably the operative word because <laughs> much as all all the book writers want us to think there aren't formulas for relationships and there aren't um, every relationship I believe is unique because every person is unique. And so mm-hmm. you put two uniques together and you're going to get a unique thing on the other side. And the relationship per se is is... It's not real in a sense. It's hmm. it's just what happens when two people mm-hmm. interact together. And I think sometimes too much pressure is put on, quote, the capital R relationship. Our mm-hmm. relationship isn't working. Well, all that means is that you two aren't working. Yeah. It's a concept, so, right? <laughs> yes. Take, take the pressure off of making this thing that is external work and mm-hmm put the attention on the two internal beings and mm-hmm. go from there. So I want to get to what you mean by the guys that it sounds like there's some channeling and, and wisdom coming through and that you're saying, if I understand correctly, that the, that the, the what's come through has not only helped you in relationship, but also with bare feet studios, which, it's the, you know, your main business. Is that correct? Bare Feet Studios? And that's... Seems... Yes, that's our company, LLC. LLC. <laughs> Bare Feet Studios, LLC. Yeah. And primarily, what do you do at Bare Feet Studios? Just in case people are curious. We build websites and in the past have done social media campaigns for our clients. Cool, cool. So let's get to the guys that you talk about. The guys. Yeah. How did how did that first start? A friend of mine introduced me to the guys. The guys are non-human channeled entities, mm-hmm. um, a, a group soul who have never been human. 
Hmm. And they are channeled through a woman in Santa Fe. And this woman hmm. was a friend of my friend's. And so she was one of the first, uh, shall we say, guinea pigs <laughs> for the for the channeling. Hmm. And she was having, you know, just remarkable insights and speed bumps removed in her life uh, as a result of working with the guys. And I was in a really difficult personal situation. I was uh, married at the time myself and going through a very difficult divorce. And mm -hmm. so I started um, talking to the guys myself and it was just mind boggling how wow. they have an ability to simplify things that seem and feel really complex. Mm -hmm. Their skill, their contribution is to look at the energy. And they have zero moral imperative, and they don't care how anything turns out. Hmm. They are simply here to share the ideas of this transition game, which hmm. is very different, almost the opposite of the hierarchical game mm -hmm. that um, in their construct, humans have been playing forever and ever. Long time. And so looking looking at the energy, they can see where, in my case, me, you know, where I was, you know, kind of all over the map, saying one thing, doing another thing, feeling a third thing, wanting a fourth thing. Oh, and boy, Rox, it sounds exhausting. <laughs> it is. It was. <laughs> but it's the human, quote, condition. Yeah. Because the hierarchy, the way the rules that are set up is you know, there's a right way and a wrong way. And mm -hmm. mostly there's something wrong with every one of us. And it's our purpose on earth to uh, figure out what's wrong and, and become good. Um, I no longer ascribe to that belief system. Oh, that, that, that whole thing is just the, yeah, it's the programming that we're surrounded with. Mm -hmm. So there you've, you introduced some terms that we mm -hmm. haven't really defined yet. What do you when you talk about the hierarchical game? Because I realize that most people listening to this probably don't have a clear definition of what that means. What is your favorite definition of the hierarchical game? Well, if I step back just a little bit, sure, um, go ahead. My belief is that we are all the divine incarnated as humans walking the earth, playing with limits and boundaries, space and time. Mm -hmm. And so everything here is a game and forever and ever and ever, there was only one game and that was the hierarchical game. Mm -hmm. And so spirit, when it figured out how to incarnate and then chose to incarnate, they set up a rule that the moment you incarnate, you forget that you're divine. Yeah. So we spend our whole time as humans going from slime to trying to figure out how to be sublime, how to return <laughs> to our God nature. <laughs> right, right. Well, it, it ties back into uh, some other conversations I've had and basically how you forget if past lives are happening, mm -hmm. you forget the minute you're born. Apparently being born is one of the most traumatic experiences that, <laughs> as a human. It's pretty traumatic because you don't know who you are. You don't know where you are. You're freezing. There's a sudden sense of separation from everything which ultimately isn't real, but 
I don't know. That's what comes but, to mind when we talk by, about that. But it, but it was really, really fun for so long yeah. to start at ground zero and mm-hmm. have no power, no memory of your divinity and to see what you can make of all that. Mm-hmm. And um, it reminds me a lot of what I've been listening to in Alan Watts lectures, which I'm sure you're, are you familiar with Alan Watts? Oh, Yes. Yeah, he he talks about that a lot and how it's such a it's such a thing in and even in Hinduism. It's I'm, I'm hearing slight similarities to so Indian perspectives too about how this is the game, you know, going around and around. Yes and no, but I, we don't have to get in the weeds. <laughs> it's it's very you know it's it's very simple on the surface. Mm-hmm. Um, this the difference between the hierarchy and the transition. Um. In the hierarchy, there is a no-win game, and there is a pretend criteria for everything. Mm-hmm. You can look it up on the internet. You know, this is right, this is wrong. But, of course, people disagree about that all the time. <laughs> yeah. Which is the proof <laughs> for the transition, which is there is an absolute criteria for nothing. Hmm. And really, it isn't... Um, and this is really what has helped our business in many ways is oh, yeah, stepping aside yeah stepping aside from the right way to do something hmm. versus what is our way to hmm. do something hmm. because it's our business absolutely and people spend a lot of time especially younger people in business chasing the perfect logo the perfect business card the mm-hmm. perfect this the perfect that they've read all the the books they're following the business formula and they're trying to find that formula, and then they wonder why it's just not working. Sometimes it is, sometimes it isn't. Well, it's mm-hmm. because it's not the it's not the formula's fault. It's that there is no formula. That this notion of being authentic and being true to yourself, and instead of sorting for good or bad, sort instead for like, don't like. And in fact, you can find so many examples of business innovation because the people thinking out, you know, they were thinking outside the box. They were saying, I don't care about the rules. This is what I want to do. And really testing for their own resonance with an idea. It sounds like they're following their, I'm guessing this goes back to getting in touch with your inner guidance system. Yes. You know, who are you and what do you want to do and what do you not want to do? And can you not do those things and still be successful? Okay, let's give it a try. (laughs) You know? Yeah. Um, So how does it work if you want to do something, but it is perceived or perhaps you have, I mean, you start to get to a place where we're, you know, what is real? How do you validate what is real? If you feel like you need to do something, but maybe you feel it will hurt someone, how do you figure that out from a transition perspective? Well, um, in, in one way, it's much easier from a transition perspective because I recognize everyone as the divine. And oh, in yeah. my world, no one else is one down or one up. And so having this vibe or this energy or this resonance of peership is so powerful that it literally mm. changes the options that show up in my brain. Uh. If, if I think or feel that someone is dependent on me for their business to be successful, mm-hmm. that's going to color 
um, how I interact with them. Absolutely. It's, it's putting me in a one up position and them in a one down position. Mm. And that's part of why I was drawn to the internet so early on is I, this notion of peership, you know, peer to peer fill in the blank is so powerful on mm. so many levels. You know, I wrote something on my Barefeet Studios blog eons ago, like well over 10 years ago. And I, <laughs> it was called something like the, the customer is not always right. So, oh. so that's one of those, you know, you know, customers always right. Just give them what they want, do what they want. And, it's a mantra and my, that we hear in America. It is. It is. And the case that I made is though the customer isn't always right. That's why they hire someone mm -hmm. to help them. Mm -hmm to give them a second opinion, to teach them something they don't already know, to help them decide which way to go um, in terms of making business decisions. And, you know, to be able to have more of a collaborative relationship is a much more functional relationship between a, a vendor and a client in my experience. And so that allows me to sometimes give the client what could be called bad news ah, yes. um, because <laughs> it's it's in service of a shared goal that is outside mm -hmm. of any one of us it feels very co-creative you don't see yourself as above them you're just making this together and then you can get in alignment with your goals and it's probably much more efficient at the end of the day I think it is because it, it, I certainly expend a lot less emotional energy. Um, mm -hmm. You know, Shane and I are both very, we're super intense people. We love learning. We want <laughs> we, for ourselves, our perfectionists in many ways and best practice this and that. Yeah. Um, and it took us a while in our business to realize not everyone wants our best. And one of the things I learned from the guys, which I then learned is actually a quote from uh, G.K. Chesterton, I think is his name, but it was anything worth doing is worth doing badly. Interesting. I have not heard that. It just goes against all of the, you must be your best. You must be your best. Well, yeah. no, there are a lot of situations where a certain task just needs to get done and marked as done. Mm -hmm. So we can move the process forward. Mm -hmm. It doesn't have to be pixel pushed. Or perfect. Or perfect. It just needs to get done. So anyone can do it. You know, it's kind of like doing the dishes, you know, in a relationship. Mm -hmm. You know, like you didn't stack the dishwasher right. Well, did they get clean? Yeah. Okay, well, let's move on. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, you can you can learn you know, a lot about your relationship uh, through, through dishes. In the kitchen. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you can. It's definitely... Yeah. A growth experience. Right. So so being able to say, you know what, you're the client, you're paying me, you get to make the ultimate decision. Here's, you know, choice A, B, and C. Mm -hmm. um, and then to not, you know, go home at night and say, I can't believe they chose C. What the hell were wow. they thinking? I wish I couldn't well, relate to that. They know more than I do about certain aspects of their business. And it's just been delightful watching us be wrong. <laughs> Yeah. at times over time and to realize boy am i glad that wasn't all on my shoulders you know back to that peership like you know it's not just my decision it's just not my responsibility exclusively it's a, it's there's it's a joint operation here 
So if there's no hierarchy, then the responsibility must therefore be shared completely equally, right? Not, I wouldn't say necessarily completely equally. Um, I, I think it really depends on, on the situation. Okay. You know, it depends on how much information a client wants or doesn't want. Mm-hmm. And also if it's their business, like that it would make sense that they're more responsible and the amount of time they decide to spend with you if they've reached out to you, mm-hmm. it's a little, more, a little more on them. At the end of the day, it's their business. Yes. The way I like to operate is to be honest and kind and respectful. Mm-hmm. You know, I've been loving this. We have all this politics of false equivalence. Yeah. Um, both sides are right. Um, and, yeah. and there's Christiana Amanpour, who's a journalist I've respected for a really long time. You know, she's, she has this ad for a show she's doing. And she says, I will be truthful, not neutral. Mm. And that really resonates with me. It's like, mm-hmm. ah, just tell the truth. And don't try to protect people from the truth and don't try to dress up the truth or in my mind, you know, my history being, you know, professional codependent, you know, like put the truth in a little Mm. gift box and make it look real pretty and they won't notice that it's really bad news. (laughs) (laughs) Oh no, that doesn't work. That backfires. (laughs) Yeah. So, so being, remembering that everyone is the divine and everything here, we are safe it's going to be okay. Mm-hmm. Don't have to worry about it. Even when really horrible things happen, mm-hmm. that's because some part of my soul is interested in having that experience. Mm-hmm. You know, So being able to jump from the psychological to the metaphysical is a really handy tool um, oh, for yes. helping me stay calm. Do you feel that the main reason that people are so afraid of pain and in death and this comes up for me a lot, is that on some level they wonder or believe that that's it, that they're going to be judged the second that, you know, they die. I, I wonder how much people's actions is very direct, at least on an unconscious level, is very, very connected with what they believe what will happen when they die. I mean, obviously it is connected, but I just wanted to explore that because if they believed that, Hey, my soul is indestructible, which is incidentally what I believe, maybe their actions and and attitudes would be different. I think they would be different. And I do believe the soul is indestructible. And I do believe that most people are uh, playing the hierarchical game, which starts off, with forgetting your connection to soul and forgetting your connection to the divine. Mm -hmm. And so when you're playing that game, it's a much more effective game if if you forget that and you get to play with (laughs) being terrified. You get to play with judging yourself to the moon and back. Yeah. I'm I'm personally tired of that game. (laughs) (laughs) I hear you. Uh, I would rather play, you know, being a little bit more gutsy and mm-hmm. wow, I wonder if I could try this. I wonder if I could try this. Ooh, that might, you know, my, my mind says my critic, inner critic, my fearful mm-hmm. little self who is still, who is like, you know, the grand master in the hierarchy. She will come in and say, Oh, you can't do that. You can't do that. You can't do that. 
and you know i have you know a sidebar a sub a sub game with her and i say let's try it and see you know mm. you sit back and watch we'll check in later and that's the yeah. part of you that's afraid of these outcomes like the little you is how you describe it little me yeah yeah, yeah. I, I I know exactly what you mean. <laughs> little me, ha, you know, little me has no idea how powerful every soul is who is here. So um, there's something that I have been thinking about, which is, so mm -hmm. the guys, the quote unquote, the guys, is that a label that they chose for themselves? I'm curious. Yes. I'm more curious about them now. Yes. And, and they speak uh, through the channeler and they use the we pronoun. Okay. So I don't understand it. You know, let me yeah. just be really blunt. I please be I blunt. <laughs> I, <laughs> hey, I don't is... understand how it works, but I have witnessed it work. Have you ever been in the room when the main? So it sounds like you have you channeled them as well. I've done. I've I took a channeling class, and I I do what I call automatic writing, oh, which yes. a lot of people do. That it's it's considered a mild form of channeling mm -hmm. your soul's voice or something. You're sort of letting something else kind of borrow your hand for a second. Is that a fair? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> sort of tapping, tapping into a different part of um, the knowledge that's available. And it's a, it's a kick, you know, cause I, I regularly write things, thoughts that I've never thought before. Wow. So how do you make yourself open to that and make sure that that opening is not abused or isn't opening you up to anything that's potentially harmful? What is your perspective on that? Well, I don't, uh, I, I'm not afraid of that. So whatever I might write down, mm -hmm. you know, whatever this idea du jour might be, mm -hmm. um, it's still my conscious choice whether I want to act on it or not. And if mm -hmm. I want to act on it, it's then further my conscious choice how and when right. I want to act on that. So I don't see really where any harm could come in. That's fair. Because again, and this is this is a you know, a very radical thought, Andrew. It's it took it's taken me forever to really get it in my bones, and I still have a long ways to go. But mm -hmm. I'm safe. Yeah. The worst that can happen is I die, mm -hmm. my body dies, and mm -hmm. I can come back, mm -hmm. you know, as a soul on the other side, I can say, well, whoa, that ended way too quickly, yeah. I'm going back. <laughs> or I might say, yeah. uh, you know, I thought I wanted to stay longer, I guess I was done for a while. But it, to have that as my, quote, full stop, yeah, I'm always safe, Yeah, then that eliminates a whole lot of language in my vocabulary and it eliminates a whole lot of self-doubt and it eliminates a lot of rumination, most of which wants to pull me back into the hierarchy, which by definition, no one is safe. We're getting those messages all the time. <laughs> yes. Yeah. You've got to constantly be looking out for yourself. Yeah. They're out right? to get you. They're out to get you. Yeah. And, and if you look at it from the point of, think of it as a game, literally like a computer game. I often do. What a kick that is. What a gas <laughs> that is. How much fun that is. <laughs> oh, and it's fun because, you know, you know, when you're done, you can just shut the thing down. Yeah. 
Well, just all I do is apply that metaphor to my quote, real life and my real business. I am so reminded by so much of the Alan Watts lectures that I've listened to. I feel like I've listened to most of them at this point. This is really similar. He asked this question of, what if you were the infinite consciousness and you wanted to play a game? You could fall asleep and you could imagine whatever you wanted and do whatever you wanted. Well, you can do that a few times and you'd probably get kind of bored. So then you go, okay, now we're going to make it interesting. Now there's going to be danger, you know? And now Mm -hmm. you're kind of like having conflict, but you still know it's a game. And then you have Mm -hmm. an idea, go, ah, what if I forgot that it was a game? That would really be a gas, right? (laughs) And you're reminding me very much of his thoughts around that. I mean, they're obviously not just his thoughts. These thoughts have been around for a while. And it's such a consciousness shift, though. It is. It is. I like to say consciousness is everything. It changes everything. And to be able to live that way, it really, it is amazing the impact that it can make. You know, I'll just give you one business example. Long time ago, back in Santa Fe, we had a real estate client who is a global brand who is based there. And they hired us Mm -hmm. because, quote, we were the best. This was, you know, before WordPress. So we were building all of these content management systems by hand. And, um, you know, it was a beautiful site. And anyway, the client was just rude and complaining and difficult and wanted to take Mm. our work and clone it across all of her affiliates worldwide uh, without a licensing fee. Mm. And we ended up terminating the relationship Mm. you know uh, our little critic voices and many of our colleagues were just terrorized like you cannot fire her you cannot fire this brand you they she will one you're giving up a huge piece of cachet two this woman is Mm -hmm. mean and she will destroy you in this town well we had the benefit of the transition which is like, don't like, Mm -hmm. not good, bad. And we just said, we don't like working with Mm -hmm. this client. We are willing to suffer the potential consequences. But given the fact that she's so mean Mm -hmm. to us, (laughs) she's probably, and we did find this out later, she Mm -hmm. was rather, you know, rough with several other vendors. So, it actually turned out that we were like, oh my gosh, they had the guts to fire her. That's amazing. I wish I could do that. <laughs> you know, it just it turned itself 180 degrees. And we were much happier. And she mm-hmm. survived. You know, she's also the divine incarnate playing with limits and boundaries, space and time. Mm-hmm. So we didn't have to worry mm-hmm. for her. Even though we were very, you know, proud of our code and we didn't think anyone else could do as good a job as we had done, maybe they couldn't, you know, by some crazy pretend uh, objective standards. But nonetheless, we didn't like working (laughs) with her. We didn't like coming to work to have to work on her project. So we ended it and it was fine. Mm -hmm. It would have been much harder to do that from the hierarchical mindset than from the transition mindset. I think you can Mm. sort of sense that in the energy. 
I very much do. It it reminds me of, you know, this concept mm-hmm. of just mm-hmm. testing for resonance, you know. You're you're you pass it through all of your um I don't know, the phrase that's coming to me in the moment is like wisdom centers, which is, you know, your gut. Like what is your how mm-hmm. is your body reacting to this idea? Mm-hmm. Your body talks pretty loud if you listen. Mm-hmm. And, you know, your head, mm-hmm. you know, oh, does this make logical sense, quote unquote logical sense, and your heart. And if an idea passes all those tests, mm-hmm. it's probably a pretty good idea. I, I like to think of it as um, it, it's very similar, but it's a little tweak. Wisdom is a little bit of a word like, oh, well, you know, for a person like me who used to have low self-esteem, I would say, well, I don't really have any wisdom. I'm just all over the map. Um, but when I reframe mm. it as subjective preferences, which is gets back to that core question, who am I and what do I want? Mm. Then I don't have to go outside of myself or Shane and I as, you know, joint in the business. We didn't have to go outside of ourselves to look for justification for a business decision. We went inside ourselves. And we ran it through not an objective filter, but a subjective filter. You know, what do I like about working mm-hmm. with this client? What do I not like about working with this client? And what's the balance sheet look like on that? Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then you trust that. You trust your subjective preferences, right. you see. But in the hierarchy, you can't. Because somebody's going to always say, prove it or justify it, or make a case for it so that I can respect you or copy you or whatever it might be. But if really all the only case you have to make is your own subjective case, Mm -hmm. that's radical self-acceptance. Yeah, that's I know some people may think this is a crazy decision, but I want to make a driverless car. And I'm going to go do it. So excited for this. And it's so, it's happened so fast. Yeah. I mean, it's really happened so quickly. And I, that, that I can still remember, oh, hell no. (laughs) (laughs) Have you seen any auto cars on Maui yet? I think that's what we're going to call them. uh, No, not that I know of, but I'm kind of a hermit. But, but see that, (laughs) you know, there was somebody who just had a really strong subjective Mm -hmm. desire. Mm Mm-hmm. And this is also, you know, kind of, it's an interesting thing of technology and the interconnectedness of, you know, ideas showing up simultaneously at different points around the earth. Oh, it's um, almost the exact same time. Yeah. It's happened yeah. many so, times. Radio. So that's soul. That's soul saying, paper. you know, reaching critical mass. You know, mm-hmm. a bunch of us have this idea. We want to bring it to reality. Wow. And not being afraid of that because you can't prove it or make the case Mm. for it or your partner you know this is where relationship issues come in you know because you know we were we started off very autonomously which has been very helpful because you know neither one of us was supporting the other right what one person often in a relationship says well don't honey you really shouldn't take that risk because we need the money right and oh you know, that's heavy. That's intense. It's real. Yeah. You know? And how do you navigate that? Um, you know, little bit by little bit. 
just practicing. Practicing. And at the end of the day, it doesn't matter what you do. You're the divine. <laughs> Who's going to tell the divine you're wrong? <laughs> you're the divine talking to the divine. Yeah, exactly. So it has so much built-in respect at the same time, too. Respect for yourself mm -hmm. and respect for everyone around you. And yeah. helps with patience. Right, because, you know, I think I want something. I've done ABC through XYZ and it still hasn't shown up. Well, the instinct is what's wrong with me, mm -hmm. but there's nothing wrong with me because I'm the divine. So then that moves the conversation to, okay, well, soul, I did the entire alphabet and it's not here yet. I'm getting the message that you think there's something more relevant for me. Yeah. <laughs> okay, I'll move on. And, you know, that's that part of the mind that, you know, can be so certain something is meant for me but if it doesn't show up then i have to realize well i guess it's not meant for me if it were it would be here or maybe not in that way right right it could be any number of permutations and so you know i got this mantra from the guys four years ago and it has proven to just be full of gold it's it's they said to me this must be perfect otherwise it wouldn't be happening Wow. That's a big idea. I think a it's a huge idea because you think, well, okay. All right. But we have over 7 billion people <laughs> that all have wants and desires and they're all making decisions. And you're proposing that even when one of those people, I mean, should I, should, how, how rough should I be? I mean, when they kill somebody else. As rough as you want. Yeah, when they murder <laughs> someone else. I mean, how do you reconcile that? That's, that's the question that I would have. That's the divine incarnate playing with murder. Mm. I mean, that's heavy stuff. Like, how do you, how do you respond well, to that when something that we see as a crime happens? You know, how does it, uh -huh. that's right. That's to me, that's the, that's the challenge for me. I am, I'm, yes. I'm on board with your perspective, but that's the challenge that would come up for me. Well, that's the gap that just takes an enormous amount of, I, I think I could say rewiring to be sort of accurate. Sure. Um, that takes the rewiring to go from watching murder in a movie theater mm -hmm. and being totally fine with it because it's, quote, entertainment. Ugh. And stepping outside the theater. I still don't like it. <laughs> no, I don't either. Yeah. I'm not a fan of murder. Mm -hmm. I don't know if I could ever kill someone or not. I haven't been put in the position. Right. Obviously, there are souls who love killing each other. Yeah. And stealing from each other. Mm -hmm. And sabotaging each other's businesses. Mm -hmm. And lying. Mm -hmm. And cheating and just, you know, we could go on and list all the destructive stuff, the d seven deadly sins. Even if it's just a game, it's mm -hmm. still destructive in the game's context. Right. But where would the game be without it? I don't know. Hmm. It's, it's an interesting question to ponder. It's a very interesting question, Rox. <laughs> <laughs> because we have this notion of silver linings. Hmm. And it's, I think, I haven't proven this, 
I'm happy to accept it at face value, mm-hmm. but I think it's impossible for something, quote, bad to happen without something, quote, good coming afterwards. You feel like there's balance in the force in that way? <laughs> well, it's not so much that it's balance. It's that we don't see things until they're presented in certain lights. Hmm. And Can you give me an example? Let's see here. What would be a good example? Um well, I mean, I, let's just take the whole gun thing. Sure. Every other country, every other country but the United States has really strict gun control laws, and mm-hmm. they don't kill each other with guns. We have no, you know, it's, it's completely the opposite here. Mm-hmm. My personal subjective preference is that I have no interest in having a gun. I have no interest in killing a person or another animal. Mm-hmm. It's not why I became vegetarian, but that part of vegetarianism resonates with me. Yeah, yeah. I feel the same way. And and there are, obviously, I cannot deny that there are a lot of people who like fighting and shooting guns and killing people and animals. If I sit here and say everyone is the divine incarnate Mm -hmm. playing with limits and boundaries, space and time, Mm -hmm. who the hell am I to say you cannot shoot another person? All right, because it's all part of the divine and it's not destructible at the end of the day, right? Yes, exactly. Hmm. Now, I don't have to like it. Mm -hmm. And I am free as the divine in this lifetime to spend every waking hour trying to get guns out of everywhere. You see, they're not mutually exclusive. Interesting. And to me, to me, knowing what my subjective preferences are and then going full steam ahead with them Mm. is so much more direct and powerful and clear than me trying to pretend that I have the moral high ground and that's why there should Mm. be no guns. To me, that's the weaker argument. Right. So when people ask for you for your reason... I don't have a reason. This is just who I am in this lifetime. Interesting. I can't justify it, and I don't want to make a case that it be that it's morally superior. So that's the difference, or one of the differences. When people mm-hmm. try to make an argument, they'll go, oh, I have these statistics, and I have these things. Mm-hmm. But from a... From a transition standpoint, just say, well, I don't like this just because it doesn't resonate with me. It doesn't seem like a good idea for me. And I guess you don't really need to provide evidence. Don't you feel like it might be more effective for certain people? Sure, sure. And so if it's around, there's, again, if everything is subjective, then I can run my gun control mission any way I wish. Right. And it gets very meta very quickly. How does, it get, how does it get meta? <laughs> I like it when things get meta. <laughs> well, because if everyone is the divine, yeah, you know, then the, the, the little monkey mind inside of me, keep in mind, she's like a little kid. She's not anywhere near as neurologically or physiologically or psychologically or spiritually developed as I am as a grown adult woman. Right. So she literally can't put two and two together that everyone is the divine and... I can go balls to the wall to try to get rid of guns in the United States of America. She just, she kind of can't compute those. She goes, well, if everyone's allowed to have a gun, then you should just ignore them. <laughs> well, that, that, I could do that too. 
Uh-huh. And that's pretty much what I do do, by the way. Yeah. I <laughs> I don't spend every waking hour lobbying for gun control. Mm-hmm. But that would be my preference. Mm-hmm. And I'm happy to sign a petition here and there. I just wanted to ask you um So can I can I finish one thing though? Yes, the, please. This must be perfect. Yes. People confuse that with, oh, this is the perfect situation, and I have to somehow bend myself to accept it and then like it because it's quote perfect. No, 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 no. Hmm. By saying this is perfect, otherwise it wouldn't be happening. Mm-hmm. Is a Jedi mind trick. <laughs> it's <laughs> yeah, it's a big idea. It's a fast track to accepting reality. Yeah. How many times, you know, like that's one of our admonitions. Oh, you know, you're living in a fantasy world. Just accept reality. Well, actually, if you think everything is perfect, otherwise it would not be happening. That is a fast way to say, okay. This is happening. Mm-hmm. Now, what do I want to do about it? Right. What do I want of this? Again, I don't have to like it. I don't have to celebrate it. But the mere fact of saying, oh, soul's in charge. Soul has my back. I may be terrified. I may be angry. I may be massively confused. But if I can accept it as perfect on the metaphysical level, on the soul level, then I can stop this very breath. I can stop fighting it. Mm. And fighting it is what locks down the system, my mind, my body, my heart, my soul, and prevents me from actually figuring out how the hell do I get out of the situation that I don't like. Wow. So maybe taken from another way, when you have radical acceptance of your reality as you're experiencing it, once you have that radical acceptance, it gives you more creativity in how to proceed forward, not to mention more power. Yes. Mm. And and versus the alternative, which is the mantra of, oh my God, this shouldn't be happening. Why is this happening? What is wrong with me? This shouldn't be happening. What did I do wrong? I'm taking it personally. Which, which are all highly ineffective questions. Yeah. <laughs> Why is this happening to me? Yeah. Who is me? The divine incarnate walking the earth, right. playing with limits and boundaries, right. space and time. But it's like that's the, who you are. Exactly. <laughs> but it's like the, the me italicized in, in quotes, you know, it's, it's also right. it's a construct. Little me. Little me is really confused about that. Yeah. Little me says, but I did everything right. Why is this happening? Oh, yeah. Little me can't understand, you know, just literally, physically is not able to understand, which is why, you know, adult me is so relevant and why it's so useful for adult me to take charge of that conversation in the mind that says, okay, that was a bummer. (laughs) this must be perfect. Otherwise it wouldn't be happening now. What do I want to do? I mean, I find having practiced that, you know, for a few years now, it is amazing how quickly I can flip Mm. a literal panic response in my body. Mm -hmm. Oh, "Oh, okay. I, I, I can handle this. Let's figure this out. And the more you do that, the more aware you are of, Oh, I'm, I mean, this is how meditation has helped me. You go, oh, I'm having mm-hmm. a, I'm having an anxiety thing right now, even if it's not a 
you know, according to Hoyle, panic attack. You know when uh-huh. you're having anxiety. Anxiety, so Where yes. is this coming from? What is, mm-hmm. what am I believing that's causing this? What is the bigger truth of what's going on here? Mm-hmm. Are you okay for time, by the way, Rox? You okay to go yes. further? Yeah, I'm, I'm fine. Okay, mm-hmm. okay. Just wanted to make sure. <laughs> so here's a question that, uh, yeah, because this is going so well. <laughs> and, and oh, good. I have so many, you know, I have so many extra questions around this because I, I knew this was a big idea. And I thanks again for being up for talking about it on the show. I think that these ideas are very, 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 very useful. This perspective is very powerful and very freeing. I've been studying this line of thinking for 25 years now. And it's so interesting how, you know, five years in, 10 years in, I thought, oh, yeah, I got this. Uh, (laughs) I have a clue. Right, right, right. I mean, I did have a clue, but it just, it's so deep. And then I think to myself, well, humans have literally played the hierarchical game for millions of years. Yeah. So the transition has really only been around for 40 or 50 years. Mm -hmm. So we're all just little babies at figuring it out and playing Mm -hmm. with it and having fun with it. Well, that springs to mind some new questions. Well, I think the one that's been attracting me the most out of all the questions in my head is, what do you tell someone who says, I really like this perspective. I find it resonates with me. But the person, not me, but the person, because I don't think this way, but a lot of people that I meet go, hey, I can't really believe that my soul is indestructible. Or they say, or they or they might believe that, but they might think, well, I was raised to believe in this duality of if you are not worthy, you go to a bad place when you die. And if you're worthy, you go to a good place when you die. How do you, and this is a really common belief in our society, mm-hmm. how do you talk about the transition game to people uh, with that belief? Well, for one, it's a 100% opt-in process. Right. Meaning there is no should in the transition. Therefore, there is no proselytizing or Mm -hmm. imperative for anyone to know any of it. So most of my really good friends are playing the hierarchical game and having a blast. Uh (laughs) When I was younger in this process of understanding, I used to think of it as very binary, you know, like, well, you're either doing the transition or you're doing the hierarchy and there is just no middle ground. Right. Now, technically, there is no middle ground. You're either playing one game or the other. However, Hmm. there is the time space continuum. (laughs) So... You can play the hierarchical game on this topic and that topic and another topic, and you can play the transition game on another topic. So, you know, in the hierarchy, it is built into the game that you're kind of stuck there and you're stuck with those rules that you're Mm. something's wrong with you. But in the transition, you're not stuck in the transition. The only thing that's different is that, oh, I remember that I'm divine. Oh, if I'm divine, then I can do whatever I want. Oh. Okay, well, I feel like getting in an argument on Facebook about <laughs> religion. <laughs> <sighs> yeah. 
you know, I can do that if I want. Um, yeah. But in my case, I don't really want, I'm not interested in that, so I don't do that, but mm -hmm. I could. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's the other thing that gets kind of meta, because you can say, well, I'm actually taking a trip into the hierarchy. I have a passport that lets me go there, and I can play with pretending uh, this, that, and the other all I want. And then I can come home when I get tired of that. It's like putting on a different pair of glasses. Mm -hmm. Things are going to look a little different for a while. <laughs> look and feel. Yeah, look and feel. So there is no, it's, it is truly opt-in. I just love that concept of opt-in. Mm -hmm. you know, no one needs to know about the transition. I truly believe and trust that, you see, we're humans. Um, the guys gave me a great analogy once. If you take mm -hmm. an eight and a half by 11 sheet of paper, Mm -hmm. And you hold it in the air and you have just one teeny little corner of it touching the desktop. That little intersection there is, you know, like a little human. And then that whole eight and a half by 11 inch sheet is soul. Yeah. So soul is really managing the situation. Hmm. And I, there's so many things I don't have to worry about or understand. Hmm. I I just have this opportunity to be conscious and to to play as I wish. So since soul is managing everything, its souls are communicating with each other on a non-human level and people who want to know about the transition can find me. Now, they can't find me if I never talk about it and I don't blog about it and I don't podcast about it. That would be really hard. Yeah. <laughs> but still, you know, technically kind of possible. But because I love it so much, because it has changed my life so much mm -hmm. and I love talking about it, then, okay, therefore I blog and podcast. Mm -hmm. And then it's really none of my business who listens. Mm hmm. Or what they think about it. What other people think of me is not of my business is one yeah, of my isn't favorite. That, yeah, I think Wayne Dyer came up with that. But it's, I think he did. It is brilliant. It is brilliant. Yeah. yeah. What other people think of me is <laughs> none of my business. That's their belief mm -hmm. system. That's their, mm -hmm. um, what some people might call their karma or their their, their path. And they can, they can take it or leave it. Mm -hmm. Because really... No two people can think alike or see things alike. It's, mm -hmm. it's impossible by laws of physics. We are all living in a subjective universe influenced heavily by our own personal history and experience. And that is the filter that we see things through. Do you feel like there is an objective component to the universe? Because we see things that seem to be pretty objective, right? I mean you know, how the brightness of light falls off to the square of the distance and, and things about gravity. And I'm probably misquoting this, but yeah. How does that work? You think, I mean, where, I mean, cause we're coming, so we talked a little bit about like death, but what about beginnings? Like where did the, in, in, in the transition, and I also want to get to where that label for this perspective came from, but where does the universe begin in the transition? Where does it come from? Is it just a thought that the divine had and we got to have some rules? So 
things are kind of predictable. <laughs> How does that work? Well, it's a little bit above my pay grade, <laughs> but um, <laughs> I have had these same questions and I've asked the guys mm -hmm. for their take on it. With automatic writing or just through the channel? No, through, you know, live sessions, okay. you know, when I'm talking verbally to them. Cool. And so basically in a nutshell, what they say is that, you know, so on the side of, of soul, there is no space, there is no time. Mm -hmm. And somehow or another, big question mark, you know, big, big empty space of no, no way to explain how this part happened. Soul, spirit, decide, came up with this idea of form. Right. What would it be like if we could create form? And lo and behold, the universes were created. Mm -hmm. And according to the guys, in the very beginning, soul spirit thought, you know, this will just be a very short little experiment because, oh my God, living with all those limits and boundaries, when we could be here in limitless everything, it's not going to last very long. Well, it has lasted eons and eons longer than spirit initially imagined hmm. because soul keeps creating so much complexity yeah. in the universe and there seems to be no end of where things can go and, and if looking at it through that lens it's like oh yeah you know we we created species that ruled the earth and then they go extinct and then yeah. we created world wars and then we created the nuclear bomb that can destroy us you know well that was a tipping point for spirits like well wait a minute if we can destroy ourselves and you know we've really pushed this hierarchical game to an extreme limit place mm -hmm. what if we experiment being in form and remembering that we're spirit mm. instead of forgetting what would that be like? Well, you know, welcome to the transition. That's that's what this is like. It's like, okay, I'm still here. I'm still in form. I'm choosing to accept the limits and boundaries that come with space and time. How do I want to play now? Hmm. And it's a completely different experience. So, and hardly anybody even knows about the transition. So who knows how long all of this will go on? But isn't it interesting to note that every precipice that humanity has come up against, we figure out a way out because spirit still wants to be here. Mm -hmm. Spirit is still having fun being in form. Do you feel like it's for entertainment or for, for lack of a better term, knowledge or growth? Entertainment. I, I, spirit knows everything there is to know. Mm. So it's it's purely for entertainment. Again, there is no moral imperative hmm. in in this mindset. And since everything is in support of spirit having fun and each soul having the kinds of experiences that they want to have, sure. Then we get to where there is no good advice. There is nothing that the earthlings need to hear. Those are just things that people are wanting to do. And, mm. and, and in a sense, 
a lot of channeling is very much a part of the hierarchical game because the elements of it are based in hierarchical ideas good and bad you need this you should that person has more knowledge than i have all of that kind of stuff shows up and you know it's part of what's kind of a kick working with the guys is because they will say we don't care what you do <laughs> you know we'll we'll talk out a problematic situation and they will say well you know the energy's all confused here because of you know this this is what we see mm. so that brings and, the question right mm-hmm. why would and then, and then they'll su- they'll suggest things and say we don't care what you do because i might say at first oh that's too hard i don't know that i can really <laughs> do that yeah fire that client that is too scary yeah you know then you sit with it for a week and then it's like oh well i think i'm willing to try well what i was going to ask was then why do they provide this information if they don't really care what how it is used? Is that a fair question? It's a very fair question. It's only because there are souls like me who are bored with the hierarchical game. Uh. I was so steeped in New Age ideas, mm-hmm. looking for self-acceptance and it didn't come really because even the best of the new age ideas are still premised on there's a good way and a bad way hmm. isn't there a more effective way to get something done in a less effective way maybe in terms um, of time for sure but that's very individualized true and virtually quote everyone who is selling a new age or traditional or whatever solution is assuming that the formula or the effective methodology that worked for them will work for you too Mm -hmm. and that's one of the myths of humanity and it's it's a good you know watchword for me because the transition has changed my life i'm not convinced i'd still be alive quite frankly Wow. Without going into all the details. But I am having the time of my life the older I get. And yay. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Yay. So there's a part of me that wants to tell everyone about the transition. Of course. But I, but I, you know, so that's sort of a, that's a common enough human instinct. Mm -hmm. But I realized that it wouldn't be the transition if I, do any of that under the guise of the hierarchy. So I keep backing up, backing up, backing up from trying to find a formula to promote the transition. The Hmm. transition shall not be promoted. (laughs) (laughs) But you do kind of promote the transition, which is kind of segue to one of my questions, which was, you know, in terms of your promotion, I mean, you do have a newsletter, which is wonderful. Mm Mm-hmm. And you talk about the transition a little bit on social media. Mm-hmm. How do you find the balance of that? And also, you know, this is a question I like to ask people is, do you use, because it's become such a big part of our lives, in communicating ideas, do you use social media every day? And, and how do you find balance with it? Um, to answer your first question, I, I run it through a filter of do I really want to say this now? Mm -hmm. 
And and so my podcast is a great example. I'll talk about that for a minute. Oh, yes, please. Um, I started it last July, and I have three episodes out. <laughs> but they're all and great. <laughs> thank you very much. I appreciate your opinion. Um, they are. Everybody sure should listen there to There are them. some people who disagree with you. Now, wow. I joined a women's podcasting group before I started that. Oh, cool. Because I, I wanted to... I hadn't podcasted for a year or two, and I my podcast had been video, yep. not audio, and they're very different beasts in my experience. Yeah. And everyone else in this group is following the official how to do a podcast right methodology. Right. And that's to set up a publishing schedule, and that's to do this, that, and the other. Mm-hmm. Every week or every other week or even once yes. a month. Yes. And my podcast will not be sucked in to the hierarchy. Mm-hmm. Amen. <laughs> I would like to think that I would like a publishing schedule, but my life has been too erratic. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I now have data after the fact data, mm-hmm. which is the best data. Mm-hmm. Predictive data is worth basically zilch in my world over here in the transition. (laughs) But I have historical data I can look now. Okay, well, I've done three episodes since July. So that's one every couple of months. That is my publishing schedule at the moment. Mm -hmm. And so what I do is I wait until I have an irresistible urge. Mm. I wait until the quote stars are lined up. Mm. I'm constantly collecting ideas and have, you know, half a dozen draft scripts. I Mm -hmm. keep researching tools and technology. And I have allowed myself to only podcast when it just feels really important to me. Mm -hmm. And that's super oddball. Yeah. Kind of formula. I, I'm the first to admit, and there's a part of me that wishes I could do it more often, but mm-hmm. it hasn't happened. And I'm not into forcing it. Mm-hmm. It's one of these things. The transition is like you don't have to force anything. You can work hard as you want. You could set up a schedule, and then see if you can stick to it. Mm-hmm. But if you if that schedule sticking to ness, <laughs> sticking to my schedule ness, yeah. is based on hierarchical pressure i really don't want that anywhere near my podcast Mm. my podcast is you know about the opposite of that yeah so that's you know that's an example there um i have another friend who is very steeped in the transition my friend who first told me about the guys Mm -hmm. and she's a musician and she had no you know she had a little formal training but not much Mm -hmm. she really wanted to sing So long story short, she put together an album and she really, this was back before music streaming services. And so she, you know, put the CD out, she pressed all the CDs, she shared them around and they started developing a really strong word of mouth component. Oh, wonderful. And then she started thinking, well, I have to advertise Mm -hmm. because how will anyone know that I have a CD? So in conversation with the guys, it became very clear that she hates advertising. I can relate to that. I used to. Yeah, yeah. So they asked this very, you know, transitional question. Well, then why would you advertise? Mm. And she said, because I have to, because I'm supposed to, because how will, you know, 
fill in all that stuff of the little mind mm -hmm. who can't see that actually souls have a network of communication that we're not privy to. Mm -hmm. So she has sold over a million CDs. She never advertised. Wow. People started going into New Age bookstores asking for her music. And so then the bookstores went to their distributor and said, who is this person? Can you get it? I, because she shared it with a few therapists. I was one of them. I was te teaching yoga and teaching meditation at Rancho La Puerta. And I'd play her music and then people would want to buy it. Oh, wonderful. And it's a great business case study because she used it, one, as a transition training ground of, you know, how to do something that you love. And work really hard at it. It wasn't easy, you know, all the learning that she had to do. Of course, yeah. Speaking of logic. And <laughs> <laughs> Which we're using to record this podcast right now. Right, right. Yeah. Um, but, she, but she did it. And she's never had to advertise. Wow. And it sounds like most of it is just word of mouth type of thing, referrals. It was, it was word of mouth. And then it was instead of her begging a distributor to carry her, the bookstores pressured the distributor to find her. Wow. I would love that problem with my books. <laughs> Wouldn't that be wonderful? <laughs> Could happen. I have a book coming out soon. So part of, part of that is like this radio signal. Mm -hmm. So when we're putting out a radio signal, if it's, you know, oh, I have this really amazing information, there's no pressure, and it's all about your subjective universe, but you better sign up for my newsletter and you better come to my workshops and you better, 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 better buy it and tell all your friends. Yeah. It's like one is canceling out the other. Mm. And you can feel that on the websites too. You go to you'd be like, this person really, really wants me to take this action and it feels like a need. It feels like a... Uh, yeah. They it, need you to love them so they feel good about themselves. Boom. Thank you for saying that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> now, they have every right as the divine to play it that way. Yeah. And we see many examples of people being very successful doing that. Mm -hmm. So we, we're back in this circular meta logic of it doesn't matter what you do. You can do anything you want. Do it your you style. You can see what happens. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I've, I've thought about that a lot in terms of my own work. You know, I, oh, there's so much, yeah. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> even talking about a, a podcast schedule, like this show, I'm, I may just record all the interviews before I release any of them. I don't know. Yeah. Um, it's a good, it's a great um, plan in a way if there's nothing time sensitive, because then it's, you know, you've got a season now that mm -hmm. Apple Podcast supports seasons. It's like, okay, I've got 10 episodes, season one. That's you right. roll them out. Boom, boom, boom. I totally forgot that uh, iTunes does seasons now. Yeah. That's that's the way I thought of this, Rox, is this is really season two of, mm -hmm. uh, I call this the Aravinda show because Aravinda is uh, probably the terribly mispronounced uh, Hindi word for <laughs> lotus, which is my metaphor for personal growth. The lotus kind of pushes mm -hmm. up through the dirt, you know, and yep. reaches to the surface. And, and that's why my book series, my, my science fiction series is called Epic of Aravinda because it's a myth mythologically based, but it's like personal growth, science fiction, mm -hmm. fast paced story. Um, I, yeah. And that's what I've thought about this is it's, it's really feels like season two, even though season one was pretty short. 
Season one was a lot of fun, but season one was three years ago. Wow, how time flies. And even depending on where your hosting is, you can go back in and reassign those earlier episodes to a season. That's a really smart idea. Thank you, Rox. Yeah. I'm actually hosting this um, in WordPress in my own system, and I believe Mm -hmm. that the software plugin that I'm using... I sound like an old man. The software plugin. I think I can probably do that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Good. Um, good. Good. A little bit inside baseball, but. So just as a sidebar, I love that idea. Thank you. But I was too antsy to start podcasting. Oh, yeah. Well, you didn't even have an RSS feed for the transition podcast for a long time. Well, I wanted to put out a couple of episodes before I submitted it to the store. Right. So. Uh, to the Apple store, Apple podcast store. I host at Libsyn and they generate an RSS feed automatically. So right. I think you actually said you found my RSS feed. Um, I had to search. Had... People, I'll put this in the show <laughs> I notes. I did not make it easy for people. <laughs> <laughs> I will put it in the show notes, uh, which can be found at myth.li, uh-huh. um, myth.li. Uh, and I'll put in a link to your podcast. And is it okay if people find the RSS feed now? I would love for people to listen okay. to my podcast. Are you in iTunes yet? I think you might be. I yeah, know. yeah. Okay. I got in with um, less than 48 hours. Oh, beautiful. It's was, it was really quick. In the transition podcast. And I'm everywhere, you know, iHeartRadio and Google Play and everything. So. so that's that part where I wasn't especially thrilled about doing all of that mechanical process. Yeah. But I do want to make it available to anyone who is interested. Mm-hmm. So I was very happy to slog through submitting my podcast mm-hmm. to all these different um, directories. Mm-hmm. Kind of a different analogy than the I hate advertising. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I think my AirPods are dying. So oh, okay. if you will hold one second, I will just plug in a pair yes. of wired headphones. Be right back. You know, part of the the good news, bad news, too, is that since the transition goes by the fact that we are each living in a subjective universe, not an objective one, then each person's transition is different. Right. And, oh, my gosh, one, that's very liberating because that means I don't have to figure out what anyone else's transition is. That's their job. But it also means that, you know, there was a good 10 years probably in my relationship where I confused the transition and how my partner was supposed to be doing it. (laughs) Oh, boy. And that didn't make for very happy times. No. um, (sighs) Because I was trying to impose my transition on him and, you know, nope, 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 that's not going to work. Boy, we could do a whole season on this. Yeah. There's yeah. so much to explore. Yes. But when it comes to talking about the transition and reaching out, how do you balance using, you mentioned Instagram a minute before, which is the really the only social media site that I find I'm excited to check. <laughs> I don't really use the other ones very much anymore. How do you find balance with that? And do you, you do you touch it every day? I definitely touch it every day. I... A a large part of my work starting in about 2005 was a very deep dive into social media. 
because I loved WordPress. Again, we had been building systems by right. hand. That's amazing. You know, that WordPress now does out of the box. So it was so liberating, you know, from a technical point of view, but then also from a messaging point of view. It's like, oh my gosh, you know, I all my clients now, they can have their own blog. They can be doing this. They can be doing that. And then, you know, 2007, Facebook, Twitter come along. Oh, got to get on that deep dive. <laughs> mm -hmm. Podcasting, you know, all of these things. So I, you know, anything that helps people communicate with other people without a middle person, mm -hmm. you know, that was getting me very excited. So I, I went head over heels into social media, ran a bunch of marketing campaigns for various clients, um, got one of our clients into podcasting in 2008, I think. Early they're days. Still, they're still at it. They're going strong. It's become a huge part of their, they're actually a private foundation, but they have access to world-renowned uh, writers and speakers. And so, you know, there's just, universities around the world that are using their content in the classroom and anyway very exciting i love wow. i love all that i was just such a fan girl <laughs> i'm i'm not anymore because it's just the hater system the trolls the bots yeah. um is so ugh, just grown you know insert massive groan here yeah um so I don't actually volunteer to do it for clients anymore. So you were actually producing podcasts for them or you were just guiding them through the process of, okay, here's how you get a podcast into the store. This is how you set it up. We do the, all the production for them. Wow. Yeah. So, so now, you know, I check Facebook once a day mm -hmm. uh, only because I'm an admin on about 20 pages. Wow. And, and I, I'm not using it very much at all for our own company or my own work. Um, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm just not happy with the platform. I use Instagram. I'll check it probably two or three times a day. Mm -hmm. I try to post, you know, my 10 seconds of stillness story. That's my, my claim to fame right now. <laughs> <laughs> I love, uh, can we talk about that for one second? Sure. They disappear after 24 hours, right? Mm -hmm. They can only be 15 seconds long. And you do this, like, really, it feels like 95% of the days that I check. And mm -hmm. these wonderful, and it could be anything, but often it's of nature or, or a leaf or an insect. And it's just this, it's stillness. You shoot this story and it's so meditative. And it's such a wonderful little time to remind me, okay, get back into your breath get back into the present moment. And I, I always enjoy them. It's such Thank a you. embracing the present moment practice for me. And I think that's what you intend for them to be. Yes. Well, this is my kind of my thing with social media these days. And it's, there's, there's a fine line between look at me, look at me, look at me, because I need you to look at me mm -hmm. versus how can I interact with social media so that it benefits me mm. and enriches my life? Yes. And so stopping every day to find 10 seconds of stillness is a way of stepping outside of my ruts, my routine and engaging in my environment to find something that 
I would not normally see. And it's, it's funny, people think of it as 10 seconds of silence. It's not. And sometimes they're quite noisy, but it's, mm -hmm. it's really about the stillness because the, you know, you can be still, I can be still on the inside and it can be very noisy out there on the outside. Yeah. So true. that's the point. I try to hold camera still. That's my, that's my goal. <laughs> Um, <laughs> they're quite still. I think I usually don't have a tripod with me. So, yeah. so that's my thing. And I, I try to have one story up there all the time. I, mm -hmm. I realized yesterday for the first time in a really long time, I went about five hours and I go, Oh, I didn't update my story today. Mm. Um, so I put a nighttime capture up, which I, it's usually, I try to film during the day. So there's daylight and I, yeah. I, I love beauty. Mm. in in nature so yes most of them though not always i like to kind of just show my weird side every now and then it's a good weird side yeah well weird is in right now <laughs> aren't we lucky yeah that's a good point <laughs> it, it really is oh i should become very popular then <laughs> yeah nerds nerds have been in for quite a long time and and weird is now in <laughs> oh i love it I actually haven't, I, maybe I'll take this as some kind of minor, very, very melodramatic victory that I haven't actually looked at Instagram yet today. I have not either. Oh yeah, my goodness. What's going to happen, Rox? I think a lot of people do. Well, if it makes you feel good, it's okay. Exactly. Yeah, I, Con I agree. Consciousness is everything, you know. I'm looking forward to seeing people. I'll put that in the show notes too. I'll link to your Instagram page because the 10 seconds of still stillness, not silence. I always think of it as stillness and I've heard mm -hmm. people say silence. Like, what do you mean? No. I mean, I, I have a great sense of hearing too. So uh -huh. there's always something in the background, but it's the stillness. It's the energy of those, of those little bits. Um, do you have any advice for people who are entrepreneurs or think about entrepreneurship and they want to, they want to grow their business or start their business in terms of thinking of it from a transition point of view, how, how does it, someone in the transition think about growing their business and being successful? Well, I would say that, um, the ideas of the transition are available to anyone, anytime, as little or as much as they would like to use them. Mm -hmm. So, so what that looks like is, Letting you and your business come first in your life, not the formula or what other people think you should be doing with your business. And it's, of course, much easier said than done. Yeah. But it, it does offer its own rewards. And I find that the ability to tune out the noise, to allow your own biorhythms to influence how and when you work, for example, for people who are self-employed and have mm -hmm. uh, control over their schedule, you know, it's mm -hmm. more challenging, obviously, if you have a retail establishment that you have to show up for. Mm -hmm. But to allow yourself slack when you, when you want it and not be afraid that that's a bad thing. Uh, I'm in a writer's group and every single week, you know, people are writing their notes and four years running now. All the time I'm reading others saying, and, and myself at times too, if this is taking way longer than it should have. Well, should is one of those words that only exists in the hierarchy. So then I think, okay, well, I had an idea that it would take X weeks to write this chapter. Right. That, 
that didn't happen. That doesn't mm-hmm. mean there's anything wrong with me other than maybe I did set up an unrealistic expectation. So yeah. what I've learned to do is to not front load as many things as possible because when I front load and I say, you know, what I think it should be, invariably life comes along and other things happen. And mm-hmm. so the faster I can get to, okay, I didn't get that chapter written, this must be perfect, otherwise it wouldn't be happening, then that frees me up and lo and behold, an idea comes in or an experience happens, you know, like if you give something enough time, it happens if it's meant to happen. And hmm, that's beautiful. If, 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 I am in, if I'm enjoying the process, this is another distinction between the hierarchy and the transition. In the hierarchy, hmm. the only thing that matters is the product. Right. If you don't have the book in your hand, you are a worthless piece of crap. Yeah. In the transition, it's all about the process. Hmm. So every 10 minutes that I spend writing is a win. Yep. If I allow it to be one. And it may turn out, and again, you see this is the silver linings thing we talked Mm -hmm. about before. Mm -hmm. If I think I know exactly what the route is going to be and how long it should take and how many stops are going to be and how many gas stations, and then it turns out I'm wrong, then I can be devastated or I can be playful and say, oh, okay, I just ran out of gas. I thought there was going to be a gas station here and there isn't one. I had to walk three blocks. Oh my gosh, I met the most amazing person who picked me up and brought me a gas can. You know, having the trust that there's nothing wrong with you and that all of Mm. these hiccups that are happening are there, not for a reason, that's kind of hierarchical thinking, but Hmm. They happened. You may or may not know why they happened. Mm -hmm. Don't worry about why they happened. Just keep going or stop and sit on the side of the road and have a temper tantrum. It's it's really all good. (laughs) But this whole thing of getting off your case as an entrepreneur, I think is the most powerful thing that the transition has to offer. Getting off your case. What do you mean by that? When something doesn't happen the way you think it should have. Mm Mm-hmm to not beat yourself up for it. Mm. Yeah. Sometimes easier said than done. Oh, almost always in my case. Yeah. It's, it's taken a long time to learn not to do that, not to blame myself. And even if it's, quote, my fault, forgot to send the check-in or whatever it might mm. be, to be able to then step out even further, back up a little bit more and say, hmm, well, isn't that interesting? I didn't send the check and I'm still here. <laughs> I, I, I wasn't banished from the planet for doing something really seemingly stupid. Mm-hmm. That's getting off your case. That's radical self-acceptance. Right. And then again, the quicker I let go of beating myself up, the quicker I get back to, okay, now what do I want to do? What can I, how can I fix this? What, what's the little hidden improvement in here? And it makes us more intelligent at the end of the day, too, if we are more compassionate toward ourselves. It help us, helps us be more compassionate toward others. Yes. It also gives you the ability to really look at a situation. There may be things awry that were not obvious. 
Mm. If you're sitting on the pity pot or self-flagellating, it <laughs> might not be possible to see those more nuanced factors. Mm-hmm. So again, it's not a moral imperative to get off your case because that doesn't exist over here in the transitional way of thinking. But mm-hmm. if you can get off your case, mechanically speaking, your mind can function more clearly. Mm. So just go for the mechanics of it. Yeah. Try it out and see if it works, see if it helps mm-hmm. you. Yeah. How do you see your experience of the transition and even the way you apply it, even even just in terms of entrepreneurship changing over time in your business and in other businesses you see? I mean, I, one of the things that amazes me and what I love about Hawaii as a state is there is such a feeling of entrepreneurship, you know, especially where I used to live on, on the big island. There are so many conscious businesses, and that is largely what this interview series is about as well. How do you see the future? I mean, I'm sure that the, the idea of the future probably doesn't even exist in the transition. <laughs> you got it. Next question. <laughs> okay. We can shut it down. It's over. <laughs> Just kidding. But you, you, we have we have a concept of the future. We have a concept of growth and change. Right, but why should I be concerned about that right now? Mm. See, you know, it's an intellectual idea that can be fun to play with. Yeah, I think that's, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So most of the time, though, I would say, you know, and, and a million people have said this, the power is in the present. Mm-hmm. Present moment. Yeah, the present moment. The past is an idea and the future is not yet happened. And, you know, bringing those feelings into the present kind of muddies up the present. And Mm. it makes it harder to see and feel what's actually happening right now. Mm. And that is one of the biggest muscles uh, that I've had to build because, again, my, my history was constantly focused on mind the past to look for trouble in the present so I can be safe in the future. Wow. And talk about exhausting and no fun. And, and yet that's how a lot of people, that's how, you know, I had a lot of company in that. That's how most systems are set up even. Oh, you wow. have to know what went wrong in the past so you can prevent it in the future. Well, maybe, maybe not. That's assuming you can know what went wrong. And that's a really grandiose assumption. So what do you say when someone goes, well, I I have to figure out what went wrong in the past so I can, you know, feel safe in the present. How do you... Have at uh, it. You're the divine. You can sit and make notes and research. And if that's valuable, that's awesome. And it will be more effective if you do it in the present. And this is, again, where it gets very meta and kind of confusing because there's nothing wrong with anything anyone does. Hmm. It's about the energy. And if, for example, you have an item in your to-do list that says, research why that thing didn't launch the way I hoped it would, Hmm. and you stare at it for three months... And you never feel inclined to actually do it. Oh, boy. Like you don't wake up one day and say, you know what? I am going back into my Google Analytics. I am going to look at, 
you know, how many opens that trigger warning. (laughs) (laughs) Really? I'm going to see how many people opened that email newsletter when I announced that new season. And I'm going to just trace the heck out of that thing and see if Mm. I can find where the problem was. Mm. But see, that's because in that moment, you want to do that. Right. And after three months, it hasn't been done. I just take it out of my to-doist. Yeah, me too. I just go, well, I thought that I wanted to do that, but obviously it hasn't resonated for me. So I'm going to remove it. And you're welcome to show up again later if you like. Mm-hmm. <laughs> But and that cl- desire might come back. You're cluttering up my list right now. It may. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Especially when you make space and go, you know, I'm not going to be attached to this having to happen. But if that is important, mm-hmm. it will end up back on that list. Yes. But I completely agree. I've had that happen where I put something, I call it like an aspirational to do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like if all the planets align. Number one, be a better person. Mm. <laughs> That's just a joke. <laughs> that's the subtext of most to-do lists in right, the hierarchy right start four new 30-day trials and become the perfect person in one month mm-hmm. it's like you can learn a lot what you've said reminded me of something what what you ignore on your to-do list for three months can tell mm-hmm. you a lot about you're just your feelings towards mm-hmm. certain projects you know, if you really haven't done anything for that thing and you've looked at it a hundred times or 200 times or even 20 times and you've taken no action and just, it's just been the, it means it's not a priority. There's that right. old cliche, but it's kind of true. If it's a priority, it's done. Yes. Yes. If your soul really thinks that's important, mm-hmm. they're going to line up the stars to support you. Now it gets, you know, it gets confusing for sure because we each have that little kid inside of us who isn't Mm. capable of doing that thing. Mm. And sometimes it's the kid who puts things on the list and then wants the the grown-up person to do it. And sometimes it's kind of the reverse. You know, the adult says, yeah, I really want to do that. And then the kid, little kid, because the kid says they can't figure out how that would ever be done, keeps throwing up flares. Don't go there. Don't go there. Danger zone. Look over here instead. In my baby steps in the transition, I can't always know if it was little me or big me coming and going. So I just decide, you know what, I'm doing the best I can. I'm the divine incarnate. And here's the decision I'm making today. A month from now, I may realize, oh, that was my little, little self masquerading as big me. So I learned another one. Okay. That's beautiful. Well, is there anything that you'd like to touch on before we wrap up? Or is there anything that you'd like to promote or plug? In transition doesn't like advertising, but... Not necessarily. <laughs> I'm just... My, my friend did not like advertising, so she didn't do it. I have a lot of little monkey mind vulnerabilities because I used to actually love marketing and advertising and mm-hmm. my brain can go to town. So... I I just want to consciously manage that and not let my little self, um, who can really come up with some great campaign ideas. <laughs> I believe it. You know, because she feels I have to, and I, mm-hmm. I get to do it by choice. But no, it's just, it's really, you know, social media started almost 20 years ago now. Oh my goodness. On Is that... this, yeah, I mean, 
WordPress 2004, I consider that like early social media when you can have your own blog, your own online yeah. voice. Or even Blogspot and Blogger. Yeah, those were even earlier. You know, yeah. Apple, One World. Yeah, I was there. <laughs> One World? Do you remember that? I remember that was... E-World. E-World. Maybe it was E-World. One... Anyway, Apple had two different iterations or attempts at online diaries. That's right. Anyway, let's not be sidetracked. I, I just wanted to mention E-World in a podcast and see if the internet crashes. <laughs> <laughs> I was on E-World. It was like 1994, 1995. It was so weird. It was so early. I know. Oh, man. But yes, you were saying. Authenticity. To yeah. thine own self be true. Mm-hmm. It's the idea has been around for a long time, but it's been basically a minefield of mm. confusing uh, self-destruction bombs all over it. You know, be true to yourself unless it upsets your boss. Be true to yourself unless your husband doesn't like it. Fill in the blank and... Mm -hmm. We now have an incredible opportunity in the time-space continuum of humanity um, for people to create and to build things and to share things and to sell things in ways like never before. Mostly because the internet has allowed it to be possible. Yeah, very much so. So the transition says you are safe to be that weird one-of-a-kind you know what's ironic about that, or maybe not that ironic, is when you are self-accepting and you do allow yourself to be your weird self, you, you end up creating more value. Very often that does happen, yeah. Yeah, for other people, I've A lot found. of good examples of that. So what would you like people to check out if they'd like? They could definitely check out inthetransition.com. Just got a lot of very thought-provoking and powerful information on it you want to talk yeah. about the three u's that looks pretty cool oh yeah they can download my ebook there i have a free ebook the three u's where i talk about um soul me adult me and little me mm -hmm. but yeah my username uh across social media is at roxanne darling so they can find me wherever they like to hang out and say hi to me. I would love to hear from you if, if yeah. you've listened to this. Well, thank you so much, Rox, for, for joining me. And I've been looking forward to this for a while. And I'm so glad we were able to explore all the areas we got to explore today. Well, thank you. I, as you can see, I love talking about it because I get more clear. You know, it's one thing to have all these ideas in my head, but to actually be able to interact with another person like you who's so thoughtful and good listener. Um, it's good. It's wonderful. I love it. Thank you. No, thank you. Mahalo Nui Loa. Aloha. Wow. That was definitely an interview that I will never forget. I want to say a big mahalo once again to Rox for sharing her afternoon with me. I don't know about you, but I will be thinking about what we talked about for a while. Also, before I go, I want to remind you that if you enjoyed this interview, there are others that are out and more are coming. iTunes is probably the easiest way to find them and get the new ones when they come out. Just search for Aravinda Show. That's A-R-A-V-I-N-D-A Show. If you like Instagram, I'm Hello Crusoe on there. 
That's the word hello, C-R-U-S-O-E, and I post samples of new interviews when they come out. So that's another way to make sure you don't miss any upcoming interviews. Also, be sure to check out Roxanne on there and see some beautiful glimpses of Maui plus 10 seconds of stillness that we talked about. She is Roxanne Darling on Instagram, just as it sounds, R-O-X-A-N-N-E-D-A-R-L-I-N-G. You can also check her out at inthetransition.com, of course, and that will all be in the show notes for this episode over at Mythly, myth.limyth.li is my website. You can go there, click on Aravinda Show. It's really easy to find to find show notes and all the great interviews, as well as free samples of my books, including my upcoming book, 10,000 Hours in Paradise, a true story about my life-changing adventures on Hawaii. I have some big-time interviews coming up, and I can't wait to share them with you. Once again, I'm Andrew Crusoe. Thanks again for listening, and I'll see you next time. Aloha. Aloha.